1: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Thursday morning. Uh, Plenty of stuff to get to. Uh, I got to get a lot of takes off because this is my last show until Monday night. I'm taking a few days off here. I got a, a big move scheduled for this weekend, which I got to get to and frustrating aspect of this uh, later on with an appointment I was supposed to have today that I was blown off that is just... It's it's what some of these companies do um, with, you know, the window, schedule windows that they're supposed to get. First of all, the idea of a window is stupid. You make an appointment and, and get there when, when the appointment's scheduled for. How about some, some punctuality? in today's uh in today's uh, society um and then you know but then they don't show up at all and it just ruined my whole day it, it, my whole day wasted waiting around for these people so i'll get to that story later on um and just in general uh moves suck uh mo- and moving with a pregnant wife in the middle of a pandemic is a pretty pretty awful experience so uh I'll, I'll get to that a little later on but um plenty of stuff to get to throughout the course of the show tonight we will get, um, touch on the Sixers a little later on, one of Doc Rivers' former players, uh, with a little criticism of him. Uh, we'll get to the Phillies, who look like they are um, uh, looking to shed some more salary. There you go. That's exactly what we want to see. I'm really glad we're talking about this. this is some exciting moves, though. I mean, Vinny Velo is back for another year. Mike, how excited are you about that? I know you're a big Vinny Velo guy.
3: Listen, Nick Pavetta got traded, and then Vince Velasquez on is on like his it's his third time being tendered a contract. Yeah, it's pretty clear this is
2: the year. <laughs> yeah. This is the year. I mean, he showed some signs last year toward the end of the season, right? Uh, at least he came mm. up came up bigger in some of those big games, other than the fake ace Aaron Nola. Uh, I'll, I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, he uh, he had like a fluke. Uh, quality
3: start against Toronto. I think like two weeks before the season ended. Yeah, that was kind of it.
2: Yeah, but I mean, better than Nola, who, who you know crapped out on any 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 time you need to rely on him. Um, yeah. but we'll, I agree. Yeah, but we'll get to that later on. Um, but we'll start with the and we have so many Eagles topics that we need to touch on throughout the course of the show. And I've listened to a lot of the station in the last couple days. Um, and you know, as every different show kind of has a different take on dissecting what exactly has gone wrong with this team. And we'll get into the idea of Doug Peterson giving up play calling, which I do not believe is the answer. Um, his job security, the usage of Jalen Hurts, which continues to be uh, baffling the way the Eagles are, are going about this. Um The idea of the pick and, and, you know, just in general, I I think the Eagles were incredibly naive in thinking this wasn't going to be um, a a selection that was going to cause these type of issues. Uh, Of course it was. Um, And we'll get to how the quarterback, the current starting quarterback, has responded, um, you know, to that pick uh, because I don't think it – inspires a lot of confidence in him moving forward. But I want to start with the organization as a whole here. And what I feel is really one of the root issues here. As I have been kind of looking at it from afar the last couple of days, you know, I haven't been on since Monday night, right after the game, which you, at that point you're, you're filled with emotion. You're reacting to what happened Monday night. Um, and it's 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 a much more gut reaction type show, but as I have taken a step back and kind of looked at what's gone on, um, I I I think I have found what has really become the root issue with the Eagles organization and where they have failed and why they have failed in recent years and specifically this season and you know, the fact of the matter is this has become a soft organization. It's a soft organization. And uh, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, You know, they're dysfunctional in many ways, but they are also extremely soft. And what I mean is, you know, we've talked about the priorities being messed up with the Philadelphia Eagles and how they prioritize Things that just should not be at the top of their priority list. When you look at justifying bad contracts and justifying bad draft picks over playing the best players. And we have seen that this year time and time and time again. And it is a massive problem that you cannot overcome. But much of that stems from the fact you know that they have gotten away from what makes them from what made them one of the most successful organizations in football in the first decade of the century. From 2000 to 2010 and I know you know all the Neanderthal Andy haters can look back on that era with as much you know venom and as much hatred as they want. And if you do, you're just a, an ungrateful, um, an ungrateful person, honestly. Because that was the best decade of football we've ever had in this town. We all know it didn't involve a championship, but every week, every year, this team was a contender. This one may have topped it. What do you mean? This past decade, I should say. Right. Well, I, I, they got the title, but not as a whole. You know, not as, not as. Far as I'm talking, every year yeah. annually,
3: yeah, yeah, sure,
2: being a legitimate contender in the last two years, yeah, the Eagles got in the playoffs. They weren't legitimate contenders, especially last year. Um, but you know, you look back at what made them so successful in that time period, from 2000 to 2010, when they were run by Joe Banner and Andy Reid, and the the foundation of this organization and why it was so solid, and why it was such a, a, a you know, a successful place to be, probably other than what, New England and maybe Indianapolis is by far the next best organization in football, you know, when you look at that decade as a whole as far as winning, as far as success. But, you know, what made them that good and what made them be able to be able to, to contend year after year were uh, the moves they made and why they made the moves they made. And fans might not have always liked it, um, but this used to be an organization that always did what they felt was best for the football team, both in the short term and in the long term. And, you know, at times it was viewed as, uh, cold hearted. I mean, the Eagles were looked at in many, in many aspects as an, as a cold hearted organization that, you know, didn't necessarily reward players for past performance. And in some ways they were criticized for that, but very often it worked out in their benefit and very often it was the right move to make for the organization In the long term and in the short term because of how you could use the money elsewhere um, with these organizations or with these players. And it was viewed as impersonal, but it was and remains the best approach. And I think back to a couple examples. In the early 2000s, think about a couple of these moves that we criticized so much at the time, but they kind of ended up working out. When... The Eagles did not re-sign Jeremiah Trotter. You know, did it hurt them in 2002? Sure, it hurt them. But giving Jeremiah Trotter a significant contract would have prohibited them from doing a lot of things that they were able to do in that time period uh, from, what, 2002 to 2004. And while losing that one player may have hurt the defense slightly, still a really good defense. It was the right move for the football team, and we viewed it as impersonal, we viewed it as cold, we viewed it as Jeremiah Trotter's a beloved player here, he should be rewarded, but Joe Banner and Andy Reid and the rest of that front office understood that what was best for the football team and what was best to build the football team was let a beloved player go because that was what was necessary. You look at another situation with Hugh Douglas, where Hugh, coming off 2002, had another really good year, um, was obviously a beloved player here. Hugh remains a beloved figure here who a lot of people enjoy. And, and I mean, just knowing Hugh a little bit, I, I really like Hugh too. But the Eagles in that time, at that time, despite him being a leader, despite him being a beloved player, knew that it was best for the football team to move on. It was best for the football team, both in the short term and in the long term, to move on, allocate those resources elsewhere, and not tie yourself up into an older player for the future. And what ended up happening in 2004? Both those guys ended up coming back on low-money deals because it didn't work out elsewhere and because this team was a contender and because this was a well-run organization. They weren't afraid to hurt people's feelings if that was best. They weren't afraid to bother people in the media, which people in the media are still Bothered by, you know, Andy and his press conferences and some of the things the Eagles did in that time period, even though it was proven to be objectively the correct decisions. All of these things over the years were proven to be right. It wasn't always popular, but they did not care. They were a stable organization that was not going to cave to the public pressure and was not going to cave um, to players' demands if it wasn't what was best for the football team, no matter how much they were beloved, and no matter how much you know they 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 we thought they meant to the team if they knew they could use those resources elsewhere. But you look at where the organization is now, and it could not be any further from that. At this point. And it's the biggest problem. That the Eagles have right now. And if you want to get in 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. This has now become an organization. That. Is terrified. Of its own players. That you know. uh, Forget. Not worrying about hurting players feelings. This has become an organization that prioritizes catering to certain players because they don't want to upset people on this roster. And that is not what is best for the football team. Whether you look at Jason Peters and the whole disgrace of this season that has gone on with Jason Peters, where you you bring him back to play right guard, and then you want him to move to left tackle, and he's only going to move to left tackle if you give him a raise. So you give in and give him a raise. He goes to left tackle and he stinks. So you put him back at right guard and he plays an average game of great heart at right guard. And then Doug Peterson is coming on the air with Angelo on Monday on Tuesday morning and saying, Bless his heart? What the hell is going on here? Whether you look at Alshon Jeffrey, who is overpaid and, and nobody in the league would want him on that salary, obviously, because the Eagles tried to trade him to anybody and nobody would take him. But instead of the Eagles taking their medicine. And just saying, you know, we screwed up. It was a bad contract, but we got to sit him on the bench. There, there's nothing else we can do. We got to keep him on the roster. Instead, they force Alshon Jeffrey onto the field because they don't want to upset him. Because Doug, whenever he's asked about it, brings up the fact that Alshon helped this team three years ago. So instead, you put Alshon Jeffrey on the field so you don't know, upset him. And you take off the field, Travis Fulgham, the only wide receiver who has proven that he's worth a damn on this team. Whether it is uh, the new big price corner, big play Slay, who you can see on Monday night is getting absolutely destroyed and embarrassed by DK Metcalf. And you don't give him any help. You know why? Because they're so worried. About upsetting big play Slay. because big play slay don't need no help. He can just take on DK Metcalf himself, apparently. And the Eagles, because they don't want to upset him, because they don't want to, they don't want to f- damage his fragile ego, apparently. They refuse to give him any help in that game. Catering to another player on this roster, and in this case, a guy who just got here. And more than any. The way they cater to this quarterback, and we'll get to this throughout the course of the show, because I am just so sick of it, man. I am so tired of Carson Wentz. I am so tired of the constant excuse-making from uh, from the organization, from Doug, from fans— from media members about why Carson's struggling, why this, why that, the Jalen Hurts pick hurt his feelings, all of this crap. And the reason they will not take him off the field is because they are scared to hurt his feelings. The Eagles weren't scared in 2008 to hurt Donovan McNabb's feelings. They weren't scared to hurt his feelings. A guy who had done far more than Carson Wentz has done in his career. A guy that had won, at that point, double-digit playoff games in his career, while Carson Wentz hasn't won a single playoff game. And you look at that, and it just illustrates everything that's wrong with this organization as opposed to everything that was right from 2000 to 2010. This used to be an organization that would do what was best for the team. And they didn't care who who it annoyed on the roster. They didn't care who it annoyed in the media. They didn't care who it annoyed in the fan base. But they have become so fearful of the of their own players on the roster. That they're terrified to upset anybody. And you see the result this season when you do not prioritize doing what is best for the team. You're playing guys who shouldn't be playing. You're stunning the growth of younger players who could be getting experience. You wasted a month of, of, of valuable time. Jordan Melotta could have gotten this year. And now I'm not telling you what, I know what Nate Herbig is. I think Nate Herbig, when he was in there this year, actually played well. But now you're stunning his growth by keeping 38-year-old Jason Peters on the roster. Jason Peters, honestly, if the Eagles wanted to do what was best for the organization, Jason Peters would be cut. Because he's not providing really anything. Not, Not more than you could get from another player. I'd rather play a younger player. Even if he's not quite as good, at least he's a player you're developing. You look at Alshon Jeffery, the fact that you're putting him on on the field over Travis Fulgham because of his contract and because of what he did for you in 2017 is beyond baffling to the point of organizational malpractice. And the fact that you continue to play a quarterback that is beyond inept That has no clue what he's looking at on the field. That can't hit an open receiver when there is one. That takes sacks uh, at at an alarming rate. Because he doesn't get the ball off. He doesn't get rid of the ball. He doesn't know how to read a defense. The fact that we're playing him. Instead of seeing what you have. In your second round draft pick. Because you're worried about damaging his obviously. Just paper thin ego is unbelievable. And it's why this organization is where they are. It is why they have fallen as far as they have. And it's why they are in the position that they are in. And it's so funny that the one guy, the one guy of all the people on this roster, they choose uh, not to, um, you know, worry about and bring back and show any kind of responsibility or respect to is the one guy they showed him Malcolm Jenkins. And everybody else. Ertz. Uh, well, Ertz, yeah, Ertz too. But, um, you know, obviously. There's Ertz I before mean, Jenkins. I mean, they let Jenkins go last year. Yeah. Ertz is mean, still on the team.
3: And they're, they're, basically, they're doing what they did to Jenkins, to Ertz right now. We're just watching the Ertz thing play out two years later than it would, you know, with Jenkins. Was. This is where Jenkins was two years ago. But this
2: is the thing. Jenkins, Jenkins didn't want to be paid like a top – safety. He just wanted another year guaranteed on his deal. So I think it is different. Like Ertz wants to be paid like a top tight end. Dalcom Jenkins basically just wanted 2021 guaranteed. That's yeah, all he wanted. I'm actually I'm
3: fine with the position that they've taken on both players. I um I'm just like those are two guys that it's, you know, if they wanted to you know not be the the hard guys or be take a firm stance or offend people, you know, those are two guys that they would have just, you know,
2: brought back, right? I mean, you you Think, but look at, but I mean, look at the other guys. Like, look at, look at Peters, look at Wentz, right. look so at Jeffrey. Like, what is the justification for any of this, Jeffrey? I don't know. I don't, I don't get that one yet. To be honest, I don't know.
3: Peters, I think there's a chance that you're kind of ruling out that when, and this is important to Wentz. If Wentz is in that huddle and he sees Jason Peters in there instead of Sua oh Peta or Jerome Brown, Jerome Brown, Jerome, yeah, Jerome Brown or you know, Herbig, I think there's a chance that he looks in there and he just feels whatever percent more
2: comfortable. You're just proving my point even more. Another, even more catering to Carson. Because that, Carson that's a feels that's more a, comfortable with uh, that he looks at the bodyguard in the huddle. The Carson's going to be – and by the way, how's that worked out this year? Yeah, how, like, I, how I it, thought he was, he was very good Monday night. No, but I, mean, no but I mean how if, – if your idea is that Peters is out there because it, it helps Wentz feel more comfortable, how has how that I'm ta- worked I'm out? I'm talking about only a right guard.
3: At right guard, I, I I think there's a chance that he's just better than Opetta and those other guys, and that's why for a comfort reason he's there. Left tackle, you want to go with lotta. I I totally get it. it makes sense yeah. at this point to flip the page.
2: Maybe, uh, yeah. I but but yeah. I mean, even if you even if you want to say he plays right guard and that whatever, fine at this point, it doesn't really matter. But uh, the fact that he's a left tackle, um, because they didn't want to hurt his ego and move him back to right guard, um, is, is a disgrace, and it just shows you what's wrong with this organization, an organization that used to be good. They used to be solid cuz they didn't they didn't care about sentimentality. They didn't care about this kind of stuff. The Eagles worry way too much about this now. They worry way too much about the the egos of the players on their team instead of what's doing right for the football team. And that is my mind what has caused um, this this massive fall off this season. 215-592-9494 215-592-9494 if you want to get in um Leon, Bill, John, I see all you guys. Uh, we'll get to you when we return. Uh, I'm Tom Kelly filling in for Big Daddy Graham on a Thursday morning right here on Sports Radio ninety-four WYP.
3: You know, Jason Peters, you know, bless his heart, he,
4: he's one of the best Philadelphia Eagles ever. Comes in, plays guard, goes to tackle, comes back and plays guard, and actually played played pretty well. <laughs>
2: that is unbelievable. That's Doug Peters. I, I was, it's funny because it was Tuesday morning, and I, I did the overnight Monday into Tuesday. I usually, you know, stay up for a little bit when I go home. Um, you know, take, take some sleeping medicine and then I'll, you know, usually go to bed around eight, eight thirty somewhere in there. But I, I stayed up till nine because Doug usually is on at eight day after game. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll uh, I, I gotta stay up till nine because I was very interested to hear what Doug had to say following um, that game on uh, Monday night. And you know, when you're, you're up for a while, you're up overnight, and it's nine a.m. the next day. You start to get a little like delirious I'll, sometimes. T- I gotta, I gotta pull you back in here. You a
3: little too close to that territory of complaining about a Monday night game. Okay, I'm you, sorry. You got a
2: little, you know, you you start drifting that area. And well, uh, okay, you're right. I apologize. But um, I, I, so I'm listening to that, and you know, you know how when you're tired though, Mike, you get a little like delirious sometimes. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, I'm sure you know you you sleep less than anybody I, I know. But um, I, I I heard that, and I'm like, D- did I did I just dr- am I sleep? Did I really just dream? Doug Peterson said, "Bless Jason Peters' heart." What the hell is that? Bless his heart, he's playing a football game. The guy's getting paid. What what is he getting paid this year? Eight million dollars. Bless his heart.
3: Would you rather him collect eight million on IR and you know not help the team?
2: You know what? Yes, I would. <laughs> okay. Thank you for bringing it up. Well, it's like I don't. Know, it's like what is it like? Should he be the, the the
3: mentality, the Philly tough guy, and go out there and play on one leg, or should he just collect eight million on
2: IR and you know, do the cliff Lethal? I would rather a younger guy play. Mike, it, it is so funny because I make fun of the Wentz apologists because I do, and I, it is it has gotten to a level with the Carson Wentz stuff that is insane. It is, the the Carson Wentz Colt is insane what they are defending. And I'll say this, the offensive line was worse on Monday night than it's been most this year. Um, there was actually more pressure on Monday night. Carson Wentz still sucked. He was still terrible. And uh, this has become a weekly thing. Uh, to play Baldy Breakdowns, and I got some Baldy Breakdowns later on because Brian Baldinger's the only media member with guts who actually call out this play rather than excuse it, rather than that fraud Dan Orlovsky who's just going to, you know, excuse every Carson Wentz play. It's not, none of it's Carson's fault. Brian Greasy and Lou Riddick and that broadcast, none of it's Carson Wentz's fault. What a disgrace that broadcast was, by the way. Um, and, you know, and this new, I love how now everybody on Twitter wants to hire Lou Riddick. As the GM, like, why, what, what is Lou Riddick's um, resume, other than being on ESPN the last few years? I missed it. I, When's the last time he worked in an NFL front office? I don't know. I, I don't I don't pay attention to Lou Riddick on games like that.
3: I turn the TV down, and I turn up Mike and Merrill.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I, well, of course. You, I would normally do that, too, but you're, you are the producer. I mean, I hope you're doing that. You're the producer of the game. So, you know, I'd hope you were listening to Merrill and Mike. Just doing the read, yeah. But anyway, um, but as far as those Carson Wentz people go, Mike, you're like that with Jason Peters. You are like a Jason Peters cult of one. Cult of one, yeah. You were a cult. Well, of, well you're no, like it's, it's like Carson's and... audience of one. You were a, a Peters of one. One other person. Who, Mr. Laurie? Right, and and Doug apparently. So are you uh, were were you like brought to tears when you heard Doug bless Jason Peters hard the other day? Were you just so moved? I, it, by it, that it went statement? in and
3: out. I I didn't think anything of it. I honestly I didn't think anything of it until like today. The station decided to make a drop of it. Like I didn't. I thought nothing of it when I heard it, the first time. I thought
2: it was ridiculous. I thought it was the most insane. Like bless his heart for going out and playing a football game. Well, then all
3: he did was he just summarized his season. Like he was right guard, left tackle a right guard? Yeah,
2: right guard, and then he cried that he wanted more money to go play left tackle. Well, he held he, the organization over a barrel, held them hostage Doug didn't, when Andre Diller got Doug hurt. Doug didn't editorialize it. It's 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 disgraceful. This it, but it's it's a part of the problem. like you're blessing a guy's heart for going out and playing a football game. Um you're playing Alshon Jeffrey over Travis Fulgham, which we'll get to that later on. I that is mm, And Ray used the proper word for it because Ray was on at 8 a.m. with the morning show. He's usually on at 7. Instead, they had ESP at 7, um, Ray at 8, and Doug at 9. But Ray used the proper term for it. The the playing Travis Fulgham instead of Alshon Jeffrey is mind-bending. That's what it is. It is mind-bending. It makes no sense other than the Eagles desperately trying to justify a horrible contract and desperately... Trying not to upset people on this roster, whether it's Alshon, whether it's Peters, whether it's Wentz, whether it's Big Play Slay. And let me tell you this: uh, if they if they don't help Big Play Slay because they don't want to hurt his feelings on Sunday, he is going to get roasted again. What? You don't him think, help. What? Yeah, you don't think Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were looking at that tape? From Monday night and salivating and thinking, well, if they try to play me, you know, Adams is saying, you know, if they put this guy on me one-on-one and they don't get, give him help, I'll go for 200. I mean, Devontae Adams is, is if if Metcalf's the best receiver in football, which he probably is right now, Devontae Adams is, is probably, what, top three? I, Adams is probably better. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I'd say the top three in whatever order you want to put him in are Metcalf, Hopkins, and Adams. So and big play Slay is gonna be seeing all three of them. I, I would have uh, put Hill, up here. I would have put Hill ahead of him. Well, Ty, yeah, Tyreek's pretty good too. But um, yeah, it, it this organization is so afraid to hurt the feelings of people on their own roster. Um, and that's that's become a huge problem because it's what they didn't do. It's it's what they were never concerned themselves with from 2000 to 2010, and it's why they were so successful in that time period. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in. Two one five Let's go to uh, Bill and Mayfair. What's up, Bill?
5: What's up, Tommy? Coming at you live from Frankfurt and Copman here.
2: Throwing okay. a little
5: scratchy, so bear with me. I, I put together a little eight questionnaire compilation of uh, trivia, like not trivia, but yeah or nay or over and unders. And they're based on the Philly Flyers, Sixers, and Eagles. We'll start with the Eagles. Give me your over-and-under for this Sunday with with um, Ava, Graham, I'm Ava Graham and Brandon Graham, the over-and-under one sack. What's your over-under?
2: I mean, over-under on Brandon Graham's sacks? Uh, considering Aaron Rodgers didn't get hit last week, I'll go with under. Okay, that's. An honest... well, are you taking notes here? Are you? What are you placing bets on? It?
5: Can you bet no, on it? I, I always take notes from all the callers because I'll tell huh. you what. You know, we went from this this beginning of this pandemic thing from from having no sports to having more fun on sports talk radio than I've had in probably the last decade. Well,
2: I'm glad you're having a good time, Bill. It's
5: a lot of fun for all you guys from from Jody all the way down to Angelo to Howard to, Ugg, to John and Richie, You know, Joe, you guys are phenomenal. Thanks. That's my first trivia. My <sighs> second one is. Bryce Harper home runs. <laughs> now these are all made up, of course. Okay. Bryce Harper home runs 33. over under thirty three.
2: Over under thirty three. I mean, well, I, I, we don't know how many games there are going to be in the season, Bill. So that's kind of difficult. Oh, to all this is
5: assuming game. that we're playing a full season, by the way. If it's a
2: full season, I'll go over. How about that?
5: Okay. Okay. And also, yeah. let me ask you this: um, most wins, and uh, of course, again, it's by by a full season. Most wins by a Phillies starter. What Philly starter has the most wins?
2: This year, who will have the most wins? Yeah. Zach Wheeler.
5: Wheeler, okay. That's why I kind of figured. Numbers are, then, how, like, how many more days? you got here, Bill? Uh, why, well, I have eight of them. <laughs> eight, <okay. laughs> the six, all right. Is, well,
2: let's let's roll through them quicker here.
5: All right, six was over under, 48 and a half. Uh,
2: I'll, go, uh, I'll go, you know and I'll go over on that.
5: Why not? Okay, Jalen Hurts, over 40% of the snaps this week, over Under. <laughs>
2: under. Well under.
5: Okay. And then finally, um Andrew Knapp. 42, 42.1, one. Forty two and a half over and under starts this year. And then the last one is, do you keep or do you trade Claude Giroux? I'd
2: I would trade Claude Giroux, and I appreciate the call, Bill. Thanks, man. I, that was interesting call. Interesting props you're you're asking about. Um forty two and a half for nappy. Nappy. Uh I'll go over on that. I think Nappy might be is Nappy, Nappy. gonna be the starter this year? The Phillies are shedding salary. John Heyman reported on Tuesday on Wednesday that part of the reason the Phillies were, and the Phillies are gonna resign him anyway, probably, but um they are, you know, bracing for the loss of JT Real Muto. Is Nappy gonna be the opening day starting catcher? That would just be hilarious. I mean, it's happened before, right?
3: Has it? Didn't I don't know. It, uh, I think Kapler's first ever game, Nappy was the catcher.
2: Wasn't it it was Jorge Faro? I, I believe. Georgie. <laughs> yeah, it was probably. I was guessing it was Nappy. Georgie. Um, I I'll, could be wrong, but that was I'll bet, that you, was the, I'll that bet was, you a dollar. Was you know Nappy. what that was? That was the worst day in Philadelphia sports history. God, yeah. According to maybe something.
3: that's why your mind's a little hazy.
2: Yeah, you blocked it out. According to Dave Uram, one of the worst days in the history of Philadelphia sports, um, with Joe Embiid. <laughs> Got the diagnosis that he was going to miss two weeks. And, uh, Phillies blew a five run lead in game one of 162.
3: That's right. Um, big development, though, I thought relating to Real Muto, was the Yankees, uh, sticking with Gary Sanchez.
2: Okay. Well, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I still, I, I don't think it's that big of a development. I still think he's going to, he's going to. Well, gonna it's leave. like, uh, they're committing like
3: $8 million to him. Like, it's not like they would do that if, like, they're trying to
2: kick him out the door. Right. But they're, like, there are 28 of the other teams in Major League Baseball. There's another team in that city, right, but uh, of the 28, like you know, like you can
3: immediately throw like 20 of them being in on Real Muto.
2: Yeah, but what what makes you think John Middleton's going to spend the money it takes to keep Real Muto? It just if I think I think at the end of the
3: day, Real Muto is going to be hit with reality that he's not a 200 million dollar player. And yeah, then, like, but this whole thing like looks
2: different. Middleton's not going to pay 100 million dollars for him.
3: I don't know. I think you, I, I, I don't. if
2: the price is $100 million for Real Muto, I think they sign. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I, I have my doubts. Okay. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's get uh, Leon Dallas in here. What's up, Leon? Yo, Leon. Let's put Leon back on hold. We'll we'll, we'll get Leon after the break. Also, uh, John, I see as well. We'll get both you guys um, in the next segment here. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. When we get back, um, I do have a social media gripe as well, uh, so we'll get to that. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham. If you want to join the show, two one five five nine two nine four nine four is how you do so. Um, I wanted to give you a little social media gripe here, uh, and part of this is from the game Monday night. I had uh, at one point during the game on Monday night, I had misheard um, the the broadcast, and I, I caught a lot of flack for it. Uh, where you know they're talking about big play Slay. And the fact that he's been pretty good this year, but he was getting uh, destroyed by DK Metcalf, and uh, Lewis Riddick had said, um what I thought he said was that big play Slay should be considered for defensive player of the year, which I just thought was ridiculous. So I tweeted out, you know, Lewis Riddick uh saying big play slay should be, you know, uh considered defensive player of the year. What a move by Howie then with a couple <laughs> crying emojis and then, I got a bunch of tweets back. Uh, apparently, he was talking about Jalen Ramsey because Jalen Ramsey actually did shut DK Metcalf down. But uh, I misheard it. But uh, what I love is when people will will you know act like it's so embarrassing because I, I you know okay I got it wrong I don't really care but oh my the LMAO delete this like 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 I'm so ashamed of this tweet that I'm immediately going to go delete it. Because I'm just, like, I got something wrong. Because yeah. you were trying to dunk on Lewis Riddick, and you were the one that was wrong. Yeah, but, like, I'm not so ashamed that I need to immediately delete a tweet because I'm, like, embarrassed by it. Like, uh, okay, I was wrong. I'm not like... <laughs> like, yeah, that would, like yeah. Twitter is not, like, you know, a, a huge deal, I feel like. I feel like some people think it's, like, um, a much bigger thing that it is where though you know, delete this, you know, whenever you have a bad take or, or well, it's along the same lines of when you'll say something and then, you know, something will happen a couple of, places. this aged poorly. Right. Well, let's listen. You're not like every, everyone else. Like
3: so, there are some folks among us here, colleagues of ours, uh, that we don't name that
2: may have deleted their tweets. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, you know, the, the delete this I, I is one of my gripes. I just don't take it that seriously. And another one that I have is, uh, this just bothers me when people do this, I guess to try to stress the point they're making when they'll tweet something, but then they'll capitalize like one word. Um, and usually it's a word that I feel like doesn't need to be capitalized. Like the Eagle, the Eagles... Don't use their personnel properly. They always screw it up, or something like that. When people capitalize just the one word,
3: which one do they capitalize when they say "run the ball," Doug? Um,
2: yeah, sometimes, uh, like when people say "run the ball," they will capitalize the. Oh, really? Yeah, sometimes I, I don't, I, I don't get that. But um, when people you know capitalize one word in a tweet to, to stress what they're talking,
3: about. what do you like more, that or when they do the clap? after every the clap war. is worse the clap is worse yeah, it is worse it's it's just
2: it's it's polluting space it's just it taking up space yeah no that that that's definitely not good uh 215-592-9494 if you want to get in 215-592-9494 uh discussing the eagles and the issues surrounding this organization and what i think is their biggest issue at this point is the fact that they just do not they they become a soft organization who cares way too much about hurting players feelings and it's why Jason Peters is in it's why Ashon Jeffries playing over Travis Fulgham. it's why at no point on Monday night did they give Darius Lay help it's why Carson Wentz is still playing over Jalen Hurts when there is no reason to play Carson Wentz anymore and that that really um shouldn't be, I think, controversial, even if you're a fan of Carson Wentz. Even if you think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback, there's no point in playing him right now. Um, It's not accomplishing anything. Things are not getting any better. You have a young quarterback who you should be trying to get some sort of idea whether he can play. uh, But the Eagles are too afraid to hurt his feelings. And it's a problem with this organization that they used to never have under Joe Banner and with Andy Reid, they were looked at as cold-hearted. They were looked at as impersonal, but they always did what they felt was right for the football team. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go back to Leon. What's up, Leon? Yo, Leon. All right, I guess Leon's gone. Uh, let's go to John in Allentown. What's up, John? Htk, hey, I think that guy's sleeping on a job, man. I know. That's not good. <laughs>
4: The better send somebody to wake him up.
2: Yeah, what's going on, John?
4: Hey, TK, you know what? You know what I hate on social media, man? What's that? I follow this one chick on Facebook and Instagram. And the only reason I follow her is because she's hot. She puts up hot pictures. <laughs> but she always All right. puts these little things up. It's her opinion. And she she starts it by saying, true fact. Huh. True fact. And then she throws her opinion up. there. I just want to type her like, no, this is not a true fact. This is your stupid opinion that you're putting up there. Like you don't yeah. even know that you're giving your opinion. You're saying you're putting up there true fact. It's it's so irritating.
2: Yeah, no, I yeah yeah. There's I can't no yeah. because
4: it puts up smoking hot pictures, man.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, oh, I got you there, John.
4: You know, yeah. Hey, listen. You know, everybody thanks Howie for getting us to the Super Bowl and. Yeah, truth be told, I mean, listen, he just tweaked the team that was left behind by, by Chip Kelly, which is a shame because, you know, it, everybody vilifies Chip Kelly, but...
2: Well, John, what, what, Kelly. What, what, John, 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 John. I'll, I'll stop Go you ahead. there for a second. He did not tweak Chip Kelly's team. I mean, he got <laughs> rid of a lot of the guys that Chip Kelly brought in. I mean, Kiko Alonso, DeMarco Murray, Miles Austin, um, Byron Maxwell, Good. like, listen, these, they, no, he got rid of all these guys. What these are the guys Chip does? brought in. No, he tweaked. He he tweaked that team, and they got.
4: They lighting in a bottle, and we got the Super Bowl. And I'm I'll be ever grateful. But what he what has he done since then? He has put this team in the hole so far. They might not dig out of it for five years.
2: No, he's done a poor job and, building this team since then. No doubt.
4: And he's the one. I mean, listen. They used to, like you said. They should make the decisions. That it was business. You know, ever since Banner left this team, it's changed. And Howie is the one who, who changed it to, oh, we love this guy, love this guy so much. He's the one giving out the horrible contract. It's, it's, it's Howie, and Howie is the one that needs to go. And, and it's a shame because I think Doug Peterson needs to go with him, and I think Wentz needs to go with him. But Wentz, Wentz isn't going anywhere, unfortunately because they paid him that huge contract when he had showed nothing. I mean, they they all need to go, but I'm going to tell you, when my head coach sits there on the radio and says, "Bless Jason Peters' little heart for robbing me for 9 million dollars for to play a mediocre guard," I would have fired him. Right after that
2: interview. Well, John, he John, be that, a, that, be the coach of this that team. statement was—it was ridiculous. Like it really was real. ridiculous. And I like—I honestly he like Doug I like Doug John, but that was it. That was in yeah. ridiculous. That thing. was
4: that was great. And, and one more thing. Yeah. If Carson, if
2: this team is down by 14 points at halftime, if they don't bench Carson Wentz from that point, then I think Howie and Doug should be fired. Well. They're John. They're not going to, and I appreciate the call. They're not going to do it. If they like, if they haven't benched Carson Wentz by now, they're not going to bench him. Like your chance to bench him was halftime of the Cleveland game. That was the time to do it. They didn't do it. You uh, you had another opportunity after you go five series without getting a friggin' first down. You go five drives with four total yards against the Seahawks, and you don't bench him then. If you're not going to bench him then, you're not going to do it. And the reason the Eagles aren't going to do it is because they're scared to hurt fragile Carson's ego. They're scared to hurt his feelings. They're scared to upset him um, because now they're overcompensating after the Jalen Hurts pick. And that's exactly what it is. And I got to say, I like John, but uh, I mean, let's stop at the revisionist history here. Um, Howie has not done a good job since 2017. I think we can all agree with that. There's there's no doubt about that. He has not done a good job since 2017. But the idea that he won with Chip Kelly's team oh my God. is just so factually inaccurate that you know I, I, I don't even know how to address that. The, let's look at the guys Chip brought in. Because Chip had one offseason. The 2015 offseason. Sam Bradford. Not here after 2015. Byron Maxwell. Kiko Alonso, Miles Austin, um, uh, you know, all of these guys, DeMarco Murray. Ryan Matthews. Th- right. The Ryan Matthews. These are the guys that Chip brought in. All of them, Howie got rid of. And, you know, and I'm not defending, trust me, I'm not defending Howie. Howie's done a terrible job, and I would have no problem with Howie getting fired at the end of this season. But going into some of the guys that helped win the Super Bowl in 2017, were guys, how he signed prior to 2016, like Brandon Brooks and Rodney McLeod, and you know, drafting a guy like Jalen Mills and Vitai and those kind of players, extending Graham Johnson, uh, Zach Ertz, right, right. So you know, you look at it. The idea, I don't, I don't know what John was was. Maybe John remembered incorrectly. <laughs> Just look at the stage of the Super Bowl MVP, right? But the idea that. Howie Roseman won a championship with Chip Kelly's team is, uh, I'm sorry, John, but that's just uh, that's just not right. 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494, if you want to get in. Um, as we talk about the Eagles and the, the fact that they become a weak, soft organization, and Howie Roseman's to blame, and Jeffrey Lurie's to blame, too, um, because he has allowed this to happen. And Jeffrey Lurie has enabled these kind of things to happen, especially with a guy like Jason Peters. Uh, But when we get back, I want to talk. I want to dive a little more into the into the Carson Wentz aspect of this, Um, because there is no reason whatsoever why you would play him at this point. And uh, you know, I want to dive into into his play a little bit. And I know I have ripped Carson Wentz a lot lately, but it's rightfully so. And I am just so sick of hearing all the excuses week after week after week that people do these gymnastics to try to to try to try convince themselves that he's not that bad when, yeah, he is that bad. He's really bad. And it's only going to get worse. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP.